Resurrection Sunday is a very special Sunday, and it's not one that we should take lightly. And as I was preparing for today, I just fell with a new awe and a new uh, sense of wonder and a new sense of worship uh, for the Lord because the cross and everything that the cross means and the resurrection and everything that the resurrection means is so much bigger than what we often remember it to be. It is so much more and his plans are, are so much bigger than, than our plans. So I just want you to turn to your neighbor and say this, we serve a living God. I want you to remember that. We serve a living God. Jesus did die on the cross, but he rose again. Don't get your faith to be so sophisticated that you forget the whole point of the cross and the resurrection. His Bible is not a self-help book. The Word of God is the inspired Word of God that he has inspired through the Holy Spirit authors over many, 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 many years, over many generations, and it came, be, it came to be put together so that we can be encouraged and we can see and know who he is. Sometimes we can forget that ultimately it's about being in right standing with God the Father. Today is Resurrection Sunday and he is risen. <laughs> Someone wanted to do either, indeed, he's risen. <laughs> so, so as we start, I just want you to approach everything as you hear what I say. Let the Spirit of the Lord move you. Let him stir within you a new fire for him, and may he move you to worship. So the title of the sermon this morning is Resurrected to Victory. And my first point for, for the sermon is that the resurrection changes everything. His resurrection changes absolutely everything. Because before his resurrection, man had to go through quite a few hoops that the Lord had placed there as a result of the sin. And it, it was just because it, we, had to, we had to atone for things and we had to continually do it. But because of the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, it changes everything. So it's, it only makes sense that as we start and we speak about his resurrection that we, we talk about a few passages that, make, that deal directly with, uh, with that. So please turn to Matthew 28, and we're gonna be reading from verse one through to eight. And as I read this, my prayer is that it will move you to worship. So verse one says, now after the Sabbath as the, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, and behold, I have told you. And then verse eight speaks about their response. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. 
This fear that they ran with is it's a, a, a reverential, awe-inspired fear of who God is. Um, and I want to start off by saying the resurrection is the most important event in all of history. Because it changed everything. It changed our dating system, it changed everything. So if we read in Matthew 28, and specifically focus on verse eight, there's a response to his resurrection. The resurrection should leave us in utter astonishment. It shouldn't be a, a blasé kind of thing. It should leave us in astonishment. It means that Jesus is who he said he is, and that he accomplished what he said he would do. The creator of all things that made you and I and everything that we see he decided to put his feet on earth. He entered into our pain, into our shame, and into our sin, took them upon himself, and died in our place. It should leave us in awe and wonder. It should leave us with reverential fear of God, because he placed us in right standing once more. It should be a cause of unbounded joy, because it means that he really does love us, so if you ever doubted this, I just want to reassure you that Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ, Lord of all, almighty God, loves you. We can also learn that God does things in a different manner to what we think he should. And um, if we place ourselves in the shoes of, of the disciples in that day, um, imagine that you have followed this person for three years, imagine that as you saw him before, perform countless miracles, more than what we have in the Bible, We've, that they saw him raise people from the dead, they saw him heal lame people, they saw him heal others, they saw him perform mighty miracles, they saw him feed many, many people with very, very little. They saw him do great exploits, and they were convinced he is the Messiah. But as they were convinced of him being the Messiah, they thought that he must rule and reign in a particular way. And this particular way would cause them to see freedom in a particular way. And they were convinced that as he would rule and reign that certain things would happen. So now they see Jesus Christ on the cross. And as they see him on the cross, they must be wondering, then did we follow the wrong person? Is someone else actually the Messiah? They left everything, they left everything to follow Jesus Christ. And as they followed him, they were convinced that he is the son of God. And as they see him on the cross, it looks like the worst possible thing that could have happened. This Messiah that we followed now is dying, it shouldn't be this way, he should be ruling and reigning and setting us free. But that worst possible thing that could have happened was actually the best possible thing that could have happened. It was the worst thing in their eyes in that moment, but it's the best thing in the, when we see it through the lens of eternity. The wisdom of the cross, as was spoken of on Friday, is so much greater than our wisdom. And it is because of that very event that we can stand here today, and as we are here today, we can proclaim that there is victory in Jesus Christ, that he has been resurrected, and that because of this resurrection, we have victory too. And we can praise him for what he has done. It is because of this event that the apostles turned the world upside down. If we read in Acts 4 verse 33, it says, with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. 
You see, Jesus, after he was resurrected, he came and he showed himself to so many different people. And as he showed himself, they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection and they were willing to lay their life down because they know that Jesus Christ resurrected and ascended to heaven. And because they know of this, they can with whole hearts and lives and no reservation live a life after Christ and proclaim the glory and testify of the resurrection. And it is because of that that immediately thereafter there was a spread of the gospel. There was a mighty spread of the gospel because these apostles knew that God is who he says he is. And as they knew that, they were filled with boldness. And as they were filled with boldness, they went out and they ministered in the power that God had given them. And I want to tell you today that there is power in the resurrection of Christ and that power is in you today. The resurrection tells us that Jesus is the victor, not the enemy. Jesus is the victor and this is the truth his resurrection proclaims. But now it remains for us to allow him to be a victor in us, thus multiplying the glory of his triumph in our hearts. Does this move you to worship? Jesus didn't just die for us, he died instead of us. Not one person on earth didn't deserve separation from God. He died instead of us. And he died instead of us so that we can walk in that victory that he has won as a result of the resurrection. But it now remains our choice. He has done it all and it remains our choice to respond to his resurrection. His resurrection demands a response and no response is still a response. His resurrection demands that we respond to what he has done. And in that, we need to allow him to not just be savior, but to ultimately, ultimately be our Lord in our lives. There are consequences to this victory that he has won on the cross through resurrection. Jesus has already attained all authority, but there are implications. And these are the implications that we need to live for him. Part of the implications is that it changes everything within us. The resurrection changes who we are. We are now a new creation as a result of what Christ did. But it gives us access to the Lord Most High and it should change the way we live. And the results of the resurrection are still seen today. And we must continue to go out and share that with others. So I wanna to read to you a few scriptures, and as I read you these scriptures, I'm gonna ask you two questions. They're essentially the same, I just phrase them differently so that it captures as many hearts as possible. The first one is, does this move you to worship? And the second one is, does your heart burn? So Romans five verse eight says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does your heart burn? Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Does this move you to worship? And now a third scripture uh, which maybe isn't as comfortable, is Luke 9, 23, that says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. 
You know, James encourages us to be doers of the word, not simply hearers. Because if we simply hear, then otherwise we'll be like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror, walks away, and forget what he looks like. I think that that scripture is such an apt scripture to this because when we only hear and we, cho- and we choose not to react, not to respond, not to go after God, not to say, Lord, you, you are my Lord and Savior. When we choose to do that, we forget who we really are because the original intent was that we have relationship with God the Father. So then if this is the case, is it not our reasonable service to follow Christ? Just as Romans 12 tells us, that our reasonable service should be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. To follow Jesus is the most important decision that we'll ever make. He did the only thing that could save us from our own sin, and he paid the ultimate price. So should it not cause the same response that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary had, this response of awe and fear? of unbounded joy, as they went out and decided, they went out and told the other disciples, look at what happened, this is what happened. We saw the empty tomb, he is no longer there. Does this move you to worship? So to summarize my first point, the resurrection changes everything. It should move us to awe and worship. Jesus is who he said he is, accomplished what he said he would. And now that I've shared this with you, I want to build upon that. So could you please turn to Romans 8, verse 11. And I'm gonna start sharing my second point, which is the same power now lives in us. And Romans 8, verse 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, there's much that can be said about the scripture, but I'm only gonna focus on one aspect, and it's the aspect that it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that is now living in you and I when we have come to Christ. The same power, but now, do you believe this? Do you believe that it's the same power? Earlier on, I was mentioning that the resurrection should move us to worship, and we need to understand that his spirit is now alive in us. This means that our lives should look different to before we came to Christ, before he became our Lord and Savior, and we should follow him. We should be like the disciples, that we would be willing to leave everything behind to follow Christ. That should be the magnitude of how we follow him, that we would be willing to leave everything behind. I want to uh, share with you from John 11, 25 to 26. You don't have to turn there. Uh, but this is another story concerning with the power that raises Christ and the power that now lives in us. We know this as a story of Lazarus rising up from the dead. And where we pick up in verse 25 and 26 is actually before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And here Martha is speaking to Jesus saying, had you only been here earlier, he would still be alive. How many times do we do that with Jesus? Had you only done what I said you should have done? Because oftentimes our prayers are commands, not suggestions or questions or or supplications or coming before our, our God, our Father. We can sometimes be a little bit like a toddler of I want and now. 
Um, we have a toddler and we hear that often. And uh, so I'm starting to identify with, with God a lot more. Sometimes I think, are we not just like a toddler to God the Father? We actually, we have all our needs met, but we don't see it yet. So Martha was having a moment like that, just like you and I, and I've had many of them. And as she was going there, now I've lost my place in my notes, so I'll find it. She goes, had you only been here, then Jesus had a response. And he said, your brother, your brother will rise. And she knew this. She knew that he would rise with the resurrection. And Jesus said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He was speaking that he would rise and he refocused her. And as he refocuses her, he says this to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked this question and I ask you this this morning, do you believe this? You see, because if we really believed this, our lives would look rather different, and I'm including myself in that, because I think so many times as we serve the Lord and as we go about things, we rely more on human wisdom than we do on the power of God Almighty and His Word. We rely more on strategies and formulas than we th that we think should succeed and win than what the Lord told us to do. But I want to remind you of that scripture that I read in Acts 4, 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. It doesn't say, and with great formulas and with great leadership, they were able to convince others with the eloquent speech of who God is, but it was with great power, the power that is in you as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He refocuses us. Now I don't know what's happening in your life that may seem like it was just too long, much like with Lazarus, that it was just too long, he is dead, dead, dead. Kind of like, I think, is it Ray, it kills bugs dead. <laughs> Sometimes we have promises and we think that it was just too long. It's not, that promise isn't going to happen. We put it on the shelf but by the power of God in you and in your life, at work in you, those promises can still come to pass because that has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Him. It can happen now. Even with Christ's resurrection, it seemed too long. But I want to tell you that things seem impossible until they're not. Lazarus was dead until he wasn't. Christ was dead until he wasn't. And he meets us there. He meets us at that point of disappointment. He meets us at that point of even unbelief. He meets us at that point of discouragement. He meets us and he makes our heart burn. So I want to share with you from Luke 24 a few portions. So please turn to Luke 24. I'll give you some time to get there. And I'm gonna be reading from verse 22 to 27 and then 32 and then finally verse 49. And as you turn there, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of context for verse 22. 
And uh, verse 22 is, uh, picks up after what happened was there were these disciples uh, going back to Emmaus. They were traveling back to Emmaus and they were probably traveling there because they had just finished or they were returning from the Passover celebration in Jerusalem and this particular Passover was quite an eventful one because Jesus Christ died on the cross. But this gave them opportunity to talk and Jesus met with them and walked with them, but they didn't recognize him. But how often is it that Jesus gives us opportunity to talk and share our heart? And as they were talking, they were sharing the disappointment of this Messiah that they were following, and as they thought he must be the Messiah, but they were disappointed that he didn't rule and reign like they thought he would. So he meets up with them, and as he asks them a few questions, they're kind of going, don't you know, where were you? Are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what has happened? And they respond to him, and they said, yes, and, a, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that, he had also, that they've also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then this is Jesus speaking to them. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures and all the things concerning himself. You see, in God's word, even in the Old Testament, it always points to Jesus. It always points to us being reconciled with God the Father. It always points to the original intent of us being in relationship with God the Father. And there are so many things that we can say. And Jesus walked them through all the prophets and everything that happened to show them who he is. And then what was happening is as they were walking and this was happening, they said, please don't continue on. Can you please dine with us? Can you sit with us? And as he was sitting with them, Jesus did that, you know, he pulls the trump card out, it's always like this, right, where he knows so much more than what, uh, than what we do, and he, he trumps our understanding, and he breaks bread, an all too familiar thing, and as he breaks the bread, they were remembered, and suddenly they saw that this is Jesus, and with his sense of humor, almost like saying, surprise, now that you know, he was gone. But then this gave them time again. And often, after Jesus moves in our life, so we need time to process something and he meets us there. And then he moves and then he gives us time again to process what he's done. They look to each other and they go, did our heart not burn within us? See, encountering Christ causes us to burn. But this burning cannot be contained for his wisdom is not ours, his ways are higher than ours, his thoughts are higher than ours. And he uses this, this image of the cross just as it was preached on Friday. That was the worst possible thing. It was this horrible image. And he turns it into an image of hope. For his plans are always bigger than ours. So still remaining in Luke 24, we then jump to verse 49. And it's another appearance to his disciples. And he says, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Because he did set the way, and he did reconcile us to God the Father, but now he needs to empower us 
to live the life that he wishes us to live, the only life that is becoming of a person who's part of the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven, a child of God and co-laborer with Christ. He needs to fill us with his Holy Spirit. We know that what he was speaking about here is Pentecost. We know it as Pentecost. But as a result of Pentecost, again, Acts 4 verse 33 is what was able to happen. With great power, the apostles continued to and I want to focus on this part, to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, you may go, that is wonderful for certain people, but I do not know how to reconcile others to Christ, and this is simply what you need to do, to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, because it is his power at work and not ours. And it continues and says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. The resurrection changed everything. The thing that looked like the worst thing became the very thing, the very symbol of hope to save all humanity. And he empowers us daily to continue this work that we need to do. His resurrection is the most important event. So then this begs the question, if the resurrection is the most important event, and it begs the question, comes to my final point, so then how shall we live? How shall we live? if the resurrection is the most important event that ever happened in human history. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 21 say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, he re reconciled us to the Father, but then he told us to go and reconcile others to the Father, and he has empowered us to do so. It continues to say that that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him in you no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I really, really like the wording here. It's as though Christ is pleading through us in our lives to other people, be reconciled with the Father. And what that means is really the ultimate purpose of our lives in being reconciled with the Father is to reconcile others with the Father. And while the death and resurrection was indeed for our sins, it does cause us to change. I was going to list a whole bunch of scriptures that have to do with that, and I just found there were so many because the cross is the central theme of what our faith is on. Our faith is on the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross and resurrecting for us. But we need to come into the image of Christ as well, and that causes us to die on the cross just as he did. We too need to take up our cross, and as we take up our cross, we walk in this ministry of reconciliation. You see, the cross is the end point of sin and condemnation, but it is the starting point of a new life. And while we are on this side of eternity, we continue daily to have the Lord plead through us in how we live our life 
so that others can come to Christ. You see, in the transaction of our sins being atoned for and making us part of the kingdom of light, it causes us to be part of a kingdom that cares too much about everyone coming to their original intent of relationship with God for there to be selfish ambition. If we turn back to Matthew 28, you'll see there in verses 18 to 20, there's something that we have termed the Great Commission. And I want us to be reminded of what Jesus tells us there and says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And we go, that's great. But then he says something else that we seem to read over so many times. He then says, go therefore. All authority has been given to me, but go therefore. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You see, what's happened is Jesus Christ has already done everything, but now he's given us this responsibility to continue the work that he has actually finished. It is we come in this victory that he's already won and stand and walk in this victory that he's already given us and as we do so, we can go on and share the only message that can save people from sin, the only message that can give them new life, sharing with them the only person that can do so, Jesus Christ. You see, he's Alpha and Omega, he's beginning and end, he created Adam and Eve and he created you and I. He split the sea to give the Israelites freedom in Egypt, but took them into the promised land for his plan. And now he will do the same with you. If only we would listen. It is only through the Spirit of God that we can go out and give others hope beyond the grave. So I want to encourage you, do not let your life pass you by as you seek temporary things, but instead impact those around you by sharing the gospel. When we hear messages like this, we sometimes feel like we need to develop a German accent like Reinhard Bonker and uh, have really loud speakers uh, and big stages and call thousands of people before the stage and then preach this powerful message. And some people are called for exactly that. But others and all of us are called to continue to share the message that reconciles others to God the Father, and you do that at the restaurant, and you do that at home, and you do that at work, and you do that with friends, and you do that wherever you are, because we are ambassadors for Christ. So my question is then, do you want what is in the Word of God to happen in your life? Well then don't passively wait. We need to get hungry and thirsty. God doesn't want us to be passively waiting. He wants us to be hungry and thirsty for him because we owe the world an encounter with God. We don't owe the world an encounter with our thoughts, our ideologies, or our opinions. We owe the world an encounter with God. It is through the power that is now in us that we go and share the word that reconciles every person to God the Father. And it's through sharing the same grace that we have received. We owe the world an encounter with God. So if you'd like this to happen in your life, I would like you to stand. And we're gonna pray. 
And as we pray, we're not just simply praying and passively waiting for the Lord to do something, but as we pray, we are going to be trusting that we are moving forward and with desperation, we reach forward and reach for the things that are of Christ so that he can plead through us with desperation for our hearts to burn. We do this. So I'm gonna start off just thanking the Lord and then there's gonna be a portion where you can repeat after me. And as you repeat this, do so with all your heart. If there's any reservation in your heart or in your mind, choose to trust the Lord with everything that you are in this moment. Put aside those doubts and allow the power of God to be at work in your heart and in your mind. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads. And we thank you, Father, for the finished work of the cross. We thank you for the resurrection and we thank you for how your spirit has been given to us and it continues, your spirit continues to move in us and through us and we thank you Lord Jesus that your plan is so much larger than ours. So today we humbly come before you and we ask and this is where you can repeat after me, Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on me. Come wake me from my sleep flow through the caverns of my soul. Pour your spirit out and make me burn. And Father, as we pray that prayer, we ask that with great power we will testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we will go out and make disciples of all nations just as you called us to and that we remember the victory that happened on the cross and the victory that happened because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because of the resurrection, the same power that was that raised Jesus from the cross from the cross, from the grave, is the same power that lives in us now. And we do not need to do it in our, in our own strength, but just as Jeremiah 20 verse nine says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Lord, I ask that none of us hold back the burning fire within us any longer, but that we'll step forward in the victory that you have planned for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. We honor and we worship you. Amen.